When you're ready to pop the question, the last thing you want to do is second-guess the ring. At BlueNile.com, you can design a one-of-a-kind ring with the ease and convenience of shopping online. Choose your diamond and setting. When you find the one, you'll get it delivered right to your door. Go to BlueNile.com and use promo code LISTEN to get $50 off your purchase of $500 or more. That's code LISTEN at BlueNile.com for $50 off your purchase. BlueNile.com, code LISTEN. Spinosaurus was a dinosaur that was around 13 meters long and looked a little bit like a T-Rex, with the addition of a massive sail on its back. There's been a debate around it, which is that while it seems to be tied to living in the water, it's unclear how close those ties actually were. One theory suggests it was actually like a crocodile, living a pretty aquatic life. But new research points to features of its anatomy that suggest that it was a lot more like a giant, very toothy heron wading at the water's edge. Adam Murphy spoke to David Hone from Queen Mary University of London about the dino debate. We come very strongly in favour of the original idea, which is the, the kind of wading giant heron, or as a colleague of mine in Italy called it, the hell heron, which I rather like. So what is it about it that pushes you more towards the giant angry heron camp? Well, well, loads of things, actually. We look at the nose and the teeth and the eyes and the neck and the sail and the spine and the flexion in the tail and the shape of the claws and you know all these other features as well. And there's a lot of things which actually make it look well suited to this kind of thing. So, for example, the neck has these odd kind of rough patches on the underside, which we know are associated with large muscle groups. Now, if you have a lot of big muscles on the underside of your neck, that's good for pulling your head forward and down. And of course, if you're leaning out over water like a heron would, that's very good for jabbing your head down very quickly at something. That fits really quite nicely. Their nostrils are not at the tips of their nose, but pulled back up the side. So they're halfway up the face, which, again, you actually see in lots of things like herons and storks. There are various things which are positive for that model, but there are also things which are negative for the idea of a very fast swimming model. And in particular, the drag. Anyone who's tried to move through water and wade through water knows just how resistant water is to movement. And if you look at rapid swimming animals, you know, they're extremely hydrodynamic. And in particular, animals, as they get bigger, tend to produce more drag. Well, Spinosaurus is absolutely colossal. I mean, it's one of the largest carnivorous dinosaurs of all time. So a big adult is massively larger than even the world's biggest crocs today. And then it's got the sail on its back, which is going to generate even more drag. It's going to struggle to swim that quickly. And crocodiles already don't chase fish. What they do is they ambush them. I suppose for me, the one thing that is a bit strange is it's not easy, but easier to imagine this sinister thing with a fin slinking through the water. But this giant elephant-sized heron sitting on the side of a river, thats a it's a bizarre mental image to try and wrap your head around. Yeah, I mean, I guess it is because we are very familiar with crocodiles, but people who've seen even the herons that we get in the UK, but, you know, equally big herons and storks in North America, Africa, Asia, I've seen them in all three places, you know, this is what they do. And some of them will catch big fish. And again, the Eurasian grey heron that we have, you know, there's all manner of photos and videos online of them eating rats and snakes and rabbits and baby birds and things like this. It's, it's not just that they're going after fish. So that's obviously something that they do very well. But they are this very generalist predator that will take anything it can get just of that 
they're better at fishing than anything else. What's next then? What's what's the next thing to look at in this arena? Oof, well, for, <laughs> first of all, to take a break because the paper we publish is absolutely enormous. I mean, it's, I think it's the, the biggest thing that I've written since my PhD. Yeah, it's a fairly substantive piece of work. There are new fossils coming out. There's lots of ideas within what we've said that can be tested or revised or improved just from the chat that was happening online between myself and various paleontologists and various colleagues. An understanding of things like how deep are the river channels? How shallow are the banks? How fast does the water flow? That's going to influence these kinds of things. And then you'd look at the existing data, which is sitting in the scientific literature of where we tend to find those fossils and teeth. And then are there correlates between those different landscapes and different environment types and different prey? So there is huge amounts of data sitting in the scientific literature waiting to be exploited in this context. David Hone speaking with Adam Murphy there. And that research was published in the journal Paleontologia Electronica. Although it's probably worth noting that the other side of this debate have not been swayed and still believe in their crocodilian model.